Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson. And uh, look, uh, fucking hell, today's been a bit of a day, to be honest. Um, I'm in America. I'm in the United States of America. I'm in Los Angeles here in my apartment. I've spent no time in this year, but heaps of other people have spent time in, uh, which means that uh, this apartment now has heaps of other things in it that it didn't have when I was last here. I haven't been here since January, but a heap of my friends have stayed here. And over the time, it's accumulated leftover things. And I'm not sure necessarily who of the people who have stayed here have left the various things but I have a whole bunch of new things it was quite weird to get here anyway as some of you may know if you listen to my other podcasts uh, welcome if you're a new listener uh, there's going to be a rambly intro to this uh, if you are a new listener and you don't want to listen to my rambly intro to this or if you're an old listener and you don't want to listen to my rambly intro to this I don't know skip forward a bit use your own but there's going to be one anyway if you're here for the first time you might be because we have a really big special guest uh, on the show today, and this is what I'm going to try to tell you. So anyway, I've got a bad back. I've had a bad back for uh, about two months. It's some sort of nerve issue, and it's fine once I'm up and about, but um, uh, lying down, sitting down. I haven't sat down for two months. It's fucking shit. It's shit. You you miss sitting down. You just forget how much you sit down and how enjoyable things are when you sit down. Like standing up to have a meal or standing up to watch a movie is nowhere near as fun as sitting down to do those things. Um uh, I'm avoiding traveling as much as I can. I'm overseas at the moment, so uh, I had some things booked in that I didn't cancel. If I'd known how bad I was going to feel, I guess I probably would have canceled them. Uh, but uh, I was, at the time, hopeful that I was going to feel much better than I'm feeling right now uh, by the time all these things came around, and some of them were quite important. I went to the Montreal Just for Last Festival. Thank you for those who came out. Uh, there was some real highs, and there was a couple of real lows. Uh, I've been struggling a little... Um, with my mental health uh, around my physical health. As uh, people who suffer from uh, chronic pain of any kind will know that there is a link between uh, uh, chronic... Sorry, you can probably hear my washing machine in the background. Um, uh, there can be a bit of a link between uh, chronic pain and, uh, and, uh, and, well, and some dark times mentally. And uh, i got to say, as I said, if I, if I knew I was going to be in so much pain, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have committed to as many things as I was already committed to and I uh, thought that I could handle it all. And um, there was a couple of times where I think the combination of my pain and all the pills that I've been on for the pain and just, you know, the high-stress nature of an event like Montreal where... Uh, well, there was an incident on the last night. Uh, I won't go into it too much. I won't bore you too much. But uh, you ever had one of those nightmares where in your dream you're trying really urgently to get like to a school test or a university test or something really important, but no matter how hard you try in your dream, you can never get to that thing? I had that happen in like real life and it's shit. And so then I cried in front of some people speaking French. Anyway, good times. Uh, anyway, the whole reason that I'm here in the US this time is that we're actually pitching, I can't tell too much about what we're doing, but we're pitching uh, some television, something that I'm really excited about with some people that I'm really excited about and uh, this was the time that I could do it in my schedule. So anyway, today we uh, went and uh, we pitched with HBO. That was a really fun experience, you know, for a kid from a dairy farm, you know, uh, my my family live on the road they were born on and, you know, I, I've had this great dream to do this as my job and even to just, you know, sit in a meeting with people from HBO and have a conversation with them about your idea and have them ask you questions about the project and, you know, have the opportunity to explain to them why you think the thing that you want to do is unique and would be interesting to them is, regardless of whether 
you know, these people have interest in actually making the show because um, that would be terrifying in its own way. Um, the opportunity to, to do this has been, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a really fun thing to do and I really enjoy it. But the thing I do not enjoy is having to pretend that I can sit down in the meetings. So today we had a meeting with HBO and luckily it was uh, uh, most of it, uh, most of the people in the meeting were on a Skype call from New York and uh, so there were some in the meeting we were in but basically I managed to sneak into the meeting first, uh, take the 15 minutes it takes me to sit down in a chair and then pretend that I was uh, not in serious pain and was actually completely casual as I leaned casually uh, on the table the whole time then waited for everybody to go for them to turn off the Skype and then uh, took the 15 minutes it takes for me to stand up. So anyway, I've got three meetings tomorrow, so that's going to be a bit of a challenge. But anyway, the reason I tell you this is that I got a message yesterday uh, from uh, a friend of mine from the Just For Last Festival, uh, one of the producers there at the festival, who was like, hey, uh, Joel McHale's coming out to Australia to do some shows uh, in Australia and New Zealand. Um, and I reckon he would uh, like to come on your podcast. Uh, is there any chance that you can do it... Uh, well, this afternoon as I speak to you. Uh, so anyway, I had this HBO pitch in the morning and that was going to be the only thing that I did that day. I walked to the pitch. It took me an hour to walk there and I walked back because walking is the best for my back, getting into like a cab or whatever. But I was like, well, I can't walk to, to John McHale's house where um, he was generous enough to invite me over to his home. Um, I said, I can't walk there. It was too far away. Um, in fact, you know, the front door of his house to the back door of his house was too far away. Uh, he had a very nice house. Anyway, so um, he invited me over to his house to have a chat to him and I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to put my back through the pain. Uh, the poor first cab driver I had, I, I, I warned him at the start. I said, it's okay, mate. I said, you know, but the truth is I just can't sit down properly. So like I try to find these positions to lay down where I can be in the least pain in the back of the cab. And this poor guy who was driving me over was having a nervous breakdown because he was just caring about me too much. He was generally just a nice guy. And he was like, he could see how much pain I was in. And I was like, I was trying to reassure him. I was like, no, 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 no. It's okay, mate. It's, it's, it's terrible, but it's, oh, yeah, okay. Now my washing machine is beeping at me. So that definitely was my washing machine before. In fact, I don't even know why I'm saying it definitely was because I knew it was definitely then. Like, I've solved the mystery. Like, this is law and order. What's that noise? Anyway, dun dun. Anyway, what's that noise? And every week they'd have a different noise. Anyway, why would you skip through this bit? It's so good. Anyway, I'm a little bit, uh, look, I've had some edibles for my pain. Uh, now and I am also drinking a beer which you're not actually meant to do but uh, Gareth Reynolds the very funny Gareth Reynolds from the Dollop podcast and regular on this podcast we did a new episode just a couple of episodes ago you can check that out uh, Gareth Reynolds brought me over as a bit of a joke a giant novelty sized Foster's beer and then I got home today and my back hurt so much uh, uh, that I needed to have a beer um, so I had some of the medicinal edibles and then I have uh, drunk this beer that was bought as a joke but I've actually quite enjoyed because we don't really drink Fosters in Australia. It's not really available, but it's actually not that bad. <laughs> anyway, the joke is that we descended overseas with people, but I've quite enjoyed it. Anyway, all right. Uh, so this is the intro. John McHale, I wanted to do this intro because I wanted to explain, uh, firstly, uh, that John McHale's on the podcast. You know John McHale from The Soup and Community, which is one of the best shows of all time, and a whole bunch of other things uh, that he's famous for. He was really nice. It was really nice to meet him. Um, you know, he's a big, big uh, star. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt like by the end... Okay, so here's what I was going to say. Um, is His mic technique is terrible. But the truth is that when you get invited to, over to a big, like, Hollywood star's house and you have an hour with them, 
there's just a point where you just give up on trying to, you know, in, like lecture them on what their mic technique should be. So he often plays with the chord. There might be some static. Uh, there was giant periods of this interview where he just rested the microphone on his chest and then like kind of spoke over it so that his chin was kind of, his very good and solid jawline was definitely covering the top of the microphone. So I imagine it wasn't picking up much. Uh, Mike Hell, our super producer, has probably worked very, very hard on this episode and it probably sounds much better uh than it deserves to but uh anyway if there are any uh see i'm apologizing for something i imagine has happened rather than me having listened back to this and knowing that this is a problem but anyway here's what i'm gonna guess i guess there's probably some sound problems but it was very generous and it was very nice and uh, he's doing some shows in Sydney. Uh, one of them uh, is the same night as we're doing the live TOEFOP. So you can actually go and see Joel McHale's show earlier in the night and then come and see us at the live TOEFOP. I mean, to be honest, if you like this episode a lot, oh, here's an idea. Okay. Now, I don't want you to harass a celebrity online. I certainly do not want you to do that. But here's what I would say is don't do it in some organized, horrible campaign way. But if you enjoy Joel on this, if he's in Sydney the night that we're doing the live TOEFOP and his show is finished by the time that the TOEFOP starts and I guess if you really liked him on this podcast and then like messaged him afterwards and told him you really liked him on the podcast he and then maybe like coming up to the podcast I'd just hit him up and be like, hey Joe, it was really good to have you on the podcast. I'm nervous like there's a lot of... By the way, this is how I talk when I talk to him. Uh, I was like, there's a lot of good feedback online, man. <laughs> Sorry, what am I doing? Anyway, don't mix your uh, edibles with uh, fosters. That's the message. Uh, all right. Uh, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, okay, check out our Patreon, our webpage, uh, tofop.com. Uh, tofop and Fofop on the Planet Broadcasting website. And we're loving being uh, involved with those guys. You can listen to Charlie. Uh, on uh, the Weekly Planet, which is a brilliant uh, podcast if you like comic books, comic book culture, um, movies, uh, any of that sort of stuff. Um, we really like those guys and we're uh, proud and pleased to be working with them. Um, I have a podcast called Willosophy, uh, which is uh, where I talk to people about what they think life is about. Um, I did one recently with a very uh, dear hero of mine, uh, Tim Ferguson, uh, who people might know from the Doug Anthony All-Stars. And I recently did one with a, a brilliant uh, young comedian, uh, writer, um, just a, a new voice on the scene, Bridget Fettersy, her name is. And uh, if you are not familiar with her name, if you don't know her work, uh, she has a really great podcast called Benched, but um, uh, she's a really uh, great, uh, incisive, uh, provocative uh, writer and thinker. Um, really enjoyed doing that episode with her, so check that out as well. All right, this was the plugs. Um, when's this going to go up? Okay, it's going to go up next weekend, so I've already been in Vermont, so I'm not going to plug that. Uh, Tofop is doing uh, the uh, LA Podfest. Uh, as well as doing two live shows at the Sydney Opera House, we are doing the LA Podcast Festival. Uh, Jackie Cation, Laura House, uh, Graham Elwood, uh, Dave Anthony, uh, Gareth Reynolds, and Matt Kirshen. Huge lineup. How's that? That's such a good show. Anyway, we'll be doing the LA Podfest, so come and see us at that. All right, this is it. This is the bit you skipped. If you're skipping through, this is where you can stop. Stop, 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 stop now. Okay, John McCall. The following episode of FOFOP is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen-shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15.
and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. used to go out and I used to just be laid up for two days and I just be like well can't move my back is completely destroyed so I'm just gonna lie here and then uh, a trainer said if it's your lower back I'll fix you in two weeks and she did like, what was the secret uh deadlifts strengthening the all the lower back muscles right and it's the complete opposite of what people say which is lift with your legs you lift with your back and it started out with like 45 pounds, me just lifting a bar, uh, straight legged. And, uh, and then I began building up and building up and no back problems. No. I mean, that's got to be the first time you pitch that to somebody is the system though. It's yeah, got to be like, one of those things of going, I'm not sure. I'm not, I, I know what you're saying, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I was like, I, well, at that point <laughs> I was about to shoot this movie with Eric Benner and, um, and he and I was like, I was doing all this action stuff and my back was I was always like very careful at the weight room because I knew I could fuck it up. And and then she said, I'm going to fix it. And she did. Her name is Allie Gritz. Gritz. Well, that's one of those things where like, I mean, getting, you know, when you have your body start to like break down, particularly if you are a person who is fit, because you seem to be like a dude who's in into fitness right i used to have seems like it or yeah. it's very obvious that well it's very obvious is what i was about to say that's right australia it's very obvious that you're into fitness like i can see you you're in sort of like you know pair of sort of cargo short you know everyone can see this there's a camera on us can't you say? oh yeah of course at all times i mean not cargo shorts but camouflage, camouflage sweat shorts because you know the <laughs> army uh and uh yeah i already did exercise but i also ca I, I dress like a slob when i know that i don't have to go out. Right. But like, you, you know, for podcasts, but come to my house. you seemed like to me, like you're fit though, right? Is that like a going to the gym? That is true. That's what I was saying. Uh, yeah, I go, we are, my wife and I are both into it. So we, we, we exercise almost every day. I once had your, cause we're desperate. I once had your measurements, like, uh, it's a weird story. I know. Sorry. You've invited me to I your home. Very I, excited. I've opened with, I've once had your measurements, but the reason that I once had your measurements was, uh, I was pitching a television show with, uh, KP Anderson, who, uh, you have worked with and wow uh he was to he, we were trying to impress some people for me to host this show and he was wondering whether i would fit into one of your really nice expensive suits for us to go and pitch this show ah. and so i got sent your measurements of like i said well send him the measurements and i'll see if like you know i'll measure myself and see if, if i could close. like sit into the suit and like the figures did not add up for my body. No. Like you were lighter than me, but bigger than me. Like it was, it was a real, well, I was I'm, like, this I guy's doing better with what I guarantee I'm heavier than you though. Well, I mean. How much do you weigh now? I mean, maybe then I was less. But yeah, I maybe. And I was different then too. But it was like, it was one of those things where I was going, ah, oh, my body could be in a completely different order. Because it was about the same starting stuff. Right. We, you know, essentially we'd started with the same. 
but you were kind of the little pig who decided to, you know, build his house out of bricks, whereas I'd settled on paper or straw yeah, very I early see. in the game. How dare you? You look <laughs> terrific, other than your debilitating back injury. <laughs> uh, so you're coming to Australia. So yes. Have you done stand-up in Australia before? Yes. Twice. Oh, okay. Nice. And uh, I did it at some theater in Sydney, and twice I did it at some theater. The first time I went, I did a show, and the second time I went, I did a show. So uh, I've never been able to go because of... I was always shooting either uh, community or um, the the very short-lived The Great Indoors or um, snuff films. Yeah. How, 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 are you still doing snuff films? Is that something you've kept your, your hand in just um, in case you have to go pay, back? Or it, is does, it... it ends up costing me money. Right. So I, I've, I've, stepped, I've stepped back. It's really a labor of love more than anything. <laughs> a passion piece. So yeah. talk me through you as a stand-up because I, I'm very fascinated in mm. like because did you did you you didn't start in the stand-up scene did you no i started doing improv like tons of improv theater um not even really sketch um so i did improv and then regular theater a lot of that in seattle and then i got a job on a sketch comedy show in seattle called almost live uh which was a locally produced sketch comedy show that aired on the nbc affiliate half an hour before um, Saturday Night Live. So even though it was locally produced, it was very, very well watched. Thank God. I wasn't because I didn't create it. I got hired. So I, I took no credit for that. And were you young when that happened? What what age are you when you, you suddenly get on this show? 22. So that must be a pretty exciting time, right? 22. You're doing improv like in, in Seattle yeah. and then suddenly you're on this like TV show that people are watching. Yeah. It, uh, that was pretty dramatic for me, a big change because no one took me that seriously. My wife did, thank God. Uh, uh, but, uh, no one took me that seriously as an actor. No one, I mean, I don't think people starting out usually, unless you have, you know, unless you're really successful or you have evidence to show that you're an actor, most people are, are, uh, pretty like, oh, okay, actor, you'll be getting a real job. Uh, but, but yeah, that, then things changed uh, thing in Seattle. And then when I came here, I, I, I had no street credibility at all and had to, uh, had to, I get, you know, had to start all over again. I, it wasn't that it was starting. I mean, it was just like I had to, I had to, no one, it didn't matter that I was on some TV show in Seattle to what? them, which is ridiculous because it was a good TV show. Well, I imagine that's what it's like, and you know, certainly my experience coming here. But like for people who come here from a lot of places, yeah, that's they go, the case. Well, wait a minute, yeah. I was doing great there. Yeah, so I took yeah. a job at a wine shop. Oh, really? As you evidenced by my, I mean, love I of... did. See, here's the thing: I'll give some people some behind the scenes. I I was here before you were here, and I was shown into what in I in my in this room in he, this office. I he mean. slept here yesterday. He snuck in. He stowed away in in, in what I imagine is your office space or yep. an, an office space mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like trustingly left alone in here. I thought for somebody who nobody but really knew coming over here. Yeah, I felt like you know there was. I was it here really for shows, enough time. It that, shows my generosity, and if you try to use one of my swords, I would—I have a very good way to stop you. Which is what? I, I can't reveal that on, on, on the podcast, because what if someone else comes here? Then they're going to know when they try to attack me. No, no, that's a fair point. That, well, that was that was just a trap to see if you see, fall that worked into out. It. It worked. But there was—I did notice there was a lot of wine in here. There's a lot of wine. Yeah, I like wine. And there was a small part of me that wondered, like. 
just for the story, whether I should have put one of the like you know bottles of wine in my bag. You know what I mean? That'd like, been a good story. You I, were like, not... and I walked away. I if it was a certain couple certain bottles, I would have known, and then you would have been. <laughs> and then I would have taken out the sword and, and let you have it, big time. Um, and I did notice that there was a dog that came in at one stage, opened the door, mm-hmm. came in, had a sniff around, had a the look at me. The white dog or the brown dog? It was the white dog. Yeah. Not not a great guard dog is what I was going to say. No, no. But really, he, really was but, fine with the stranger just in the middle of the office. Yes, but if you, if the owner, me, comes home after 11, uh, that white dog will wake up the entire neighborhood. Right. But it, as long as it's me. Because it lets everybody know in the house that dad is home. <laughs> not a str- not an intruder. Dad. Thanks a lot, dog. <laughs> Uh, okay, so I want to know how stand-up came in because there'd be some people and there's some people in the world of stand-up who mm-hmm. like, you know, once they ha- start to have some success in other areas, if they're not driven by doing stand-up, then it might be something they even give away. You know, they might get into you know, stand-up to be able to get into acting, to be able to get into a sketch show and then they sort right. of let the stand-up drift away. What makes somebody who's like getting some success in other areas... So when when did stand up come along? I guess is what I'm asking. Oh, stand up came along in 2005. So or two, yeah, 12 years ago uh, is when I started doing it. So uh, where are you in your career? 12 years. I'm ago? in the first year of the soup. Uh, 2004 is when it started, like June of 2004, um, and then went off for a while and then came back. Um, but uh, this agent of mine said. Uh, you can make a lot of money if you go out and host stand-up shows. <laughs> and I went, great. Um, but uh, I was like, it's so, you know, it's a very spiritual reason I did it. Uh, but more, but what it did was it got me on stage again and got me in front of people. And yeah, I was pretty bad. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, obviously, I'd done a lot of improv theater, so I did a lot of improv when I was hosting these shows. And then I kind of cobbled together an hour of jokes. And when I mean an hour, I mean 10 minutes that I could stretch into an hour. Uh, and sl- now that I have done it uh, eight or 9,000 times, uh, I'm decent. Wait, what have you noticed is like changed in you? Because to keep doing it for that long, you know, it's it's not just, you know, that you can earn some money hosting some nights. You've got to have some genuine drive and passion. Oh, I love it. No, I really do love form it. Of it. Yes. So what is it about stand-up that oh. you love differently to, like, you know, the other stuff that you're doing? Well, I like doing... I think it keeps me alive and younger uh, because you use every part of your brain and soul. <laughs> uh, but doing an hour and a half... Because I, I usually do two shows a night if I'm out, and it, that's like three hours of stage time. And and that feeds uh, the performer part of me. And the performer part is just below the waist. Um <laughs> Uh, but no, it really does like it's like it's like working out, and it's 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 like playing a sport. Uh, for me, I know other guys. I like other guys drink and smoke on stage, and I I can't do that. I would I would die. Uh, so uh, I see it as it is. It's like a way to stay. Uh, fra- well, I really enjoy it, so that that helps. I mean, I like standing on stage and ridiculing people. And is that, yeah, and, and where do you find those passions in your work come from? Because what outlet does it give you that, you know, the rest of your work doesn't, like standing on stage and being able to oh. tee off? I mean, you have this huge audience, you know, to come and I see do? these shows. Oh, great. 
well, it, um, you know, it keeps like right now I don't have a show that I'm doing. I've got one I'm doing, I'm doing a guest star here and there, but until the next show comes around, I don't have anything, you know, scheduled. So, um, so that's one of the reasons why I love doing it because it keeps me, uh, salty. Uh, and, uh, keeps me, keeps me in it. So I, I mean, I just, I, so that's, that's one of the reasons why I do it. Cause I, uh, was afflicted early on with wanting to be an actor and performer. So if we don't do it, we feel very insecure <laughs> and feel like, uh, the world is, is, uh, has, is ignoring us. So I, I also find it a way to, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've tried wonderfully. I've been able to see the country and see, See, uh, I've been done in Australia, as I said, but uh, and, and Canada, and so I like uh, I like the people. Yeah, my so wife would say that I'm an extreme uh, extrovert, so uh, and she is an introvert, so she's like, oh, it's a real fun time at a party with you. <laughs> Surely she just takes you to a party and then just releases you, right? And then she can just oh, she has to drag me out because yeah. I'll talk all night. Well, that's interesting, though, because often some people who are exuberant performers, like people who've watched you, you know, you seem like that in your professional work. Sometimes right. those people, the other side of them is that they're not like that. You find yeah. that, you, that I, you, you're yeah. definitely the same. I, uh, well, I, I do, I don't, I'm not as harsh in real life as I am on stage. Okay. Uh, well, see, I'm, again, that's good to know because sometimes it's, not. sometimes I mean, it's the other way around. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, no, I, I know performers that are very quiet and shy, uh, but when they get on stage, they, uh, are electric and exploding. And then, and then people that are very gregarious. So, uh, it, um, it's all over the map. I'm did, one of those did, people that will talk forever. So I, well, that, I need to, I need I'm to interested stop in that because like a lot of like you're know, going out on the road and touring, like, I mean, you know, when I say the road, I mean, you're touring to, you know, these big festivals and going to places and doing a show, but it's still yep. touring. You're still away from home. You're still on yep. the road. You're still traveling a lot. Like that aspect of it is okay with you. You're an okay traveler. You're an okay person to be away from home. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a good traveler. All those things. I like being in new cities and all that stuff. I do not like being away from my wife and kids. So that has changed. You know, when they were tiny, you know, they were not as, you know, now they're nine and 12. So they're like, you know, they're people who uh, are very well engaged uh, with life and all that stuff. So you, I don't want to miss stuff and I like hanging out with them. Uh, so that, that has changed. So like if someone says, hey, come do like me going to Australia is not going to be, I, I, leaving the family for that long will be hard. So nine and twelve is like pretty interesting ages too, I imagine, because you're talking about people who are, you know, you're missing when you're away. You're missing genuine parts of small human beings' life yes. and development, you know. Yes. And so, how do they go with? I mean, they've obviously grown up with it, but are they aware of dad? You know that that dad makes people laugh for a living. That dad's like a person who entertains people. What, yeah. What is it that they think you do? Do they know what you do? No, they think I'm a firefighter, right? Um, who just <laughs> has to go to Montreal for a weekend for some for some fire. Uh, there's a there's a four alarmer, and they need to ship guys in. Oh yeah, they're very well aware of what I do. Just right. just like every kid knows what their dad does, I guess, unless they're in the CIA or something. Or well, I'm not sure that that is true because like I grew up around a lot of people whose dads you know disappeared in the morning and came home at night, and it was kind of a mystery what they do. Whereas oh, whereas what well, you why isn't the dad telling them what they did? 
Well, I mean, they can tell them, but with you, people can see what you do. Like there is actually, yeah. the case is that your kids can sit down but in front of YouTube. But if your dad's a lawyer, you know that, well, dad's probably writing a contract law, just doing some contract law right now. I mean, well, I mean, you could watch some episodes of Law and Order and get the gist of it, but you don't really know. It's a mystery when your dad goes away. Yeah, I mean, they, they know what I do, but it's not like I disappear and then all of a sudden I reappear. I'm right. like, where were you? What was happening? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, they know what I do. They, I mean, they, that's, uh, they've, they always have. So it's, it's, sorry, I, 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 I feel it, like I wouldn't I, keep it secret. I fe- yeah. I feel like you've gone a little further with the question that I was going. I didn't imagine that you had like a second family or a second right. life. Uh, not yet. It was just, a bit, I was asking a bit a more of, do, do they have a great understanding of the fact that their dad is not only an actor, but a celebrity and someone who makes people laugh for a living like you know the, oh. yeah those the sort of kind of complexity of what the actual job is and the idea of like you know i mean i could explain to you know a, a nine-year-old that you know somebody makes people laugh for a living but i'm not sure that that nine-year-old would necessarily you know know or understand exactly what that means oh i think nine and if you're nine you understand okay quite a bit. that's a good point uh, it was a long yeah, time just ago think about when you nine. were nine and <laughs> you knew way more stuff than your parents possibly let on uh <laughs> Uh, you know, they know that I'm, I, I work on TV and I was in community. They, they rarely saw the soup because they a, weren't that interested in that show. And, uh, and, um, it's not on and there's no way you can see it. So, uh, uh, so they, they didn't, they knew I was doing something like they've seen like, I don't know, promotional stuff and posters and stuff. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're where, I mean, they, they go to a school that everyone's a performer. I mean, yeah. you, when you live in Hollywood or around this area, it's the every, industry. So it's normal. Yeah, seven. There's, there's some crazy statistic, like 70% of the people in Los Angeles County are somehow working in the entertainment business. I mean, the business is billions and billions. So it's huge. And there's actors yeah. and directors and producers. I mean it was a naive question asked by somebody who grew up in a farming community right and never had you... met anyone in show business whereas it'd probably be more unusual if you, your kids were farmers going to your local school yes. they'd be like who are these farmers we know what's no their farmers. world yeah oh if, you, <laughs> if there was a farmer there, that would be that would be terrific but yes they would be very confused but everybody somehow works it's rare when you meet yeah. someone who doesn't when it's just like what do you do and you're just like yeah. well I'm just a but even like a CPA would yeah. be somehow <laughs> attached to the industry. Definitely going to be right. attached to the industry. Somehow. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I don't know how many teats a cow has, but I know where William Morris Endeavor is. Yes. So. And, and you know that Detroit, like if you live in Detroit, <laughs> somebody's making cars near you. Right. That is the industry. So That is a very good point. So what you, you said Seattle, but where did you come from? Did you go through Seattle or were you from? Pretty like, much Seattle. Yeah. I was born in uh, Rome, Italy. Thank you very much. Very exotic. Uh, I was born in Rome. We moved to Seattle, which my father, when he first got there, hated it uh, and said, literally, he said uh, he went from Rome to Seattle in 1976 or something, 75. And, uh, and then, uh, then, then we moved to New Jersey. And my dad was like, wow, I really do like Seattle. And then we went back to Seattle. And uh, uh, I love New Jersey, though. You get to trick or treat after school and snow and seasons. Uh, and then we, you know, since since I was, I don't know, since I was eight, uh, I, I grew up there and left when I was 29. Okay, so uh, how old are you? 45. Okay, so that means that you are in your kind of early... 
sort of like twenties, late teens, early twenties. You are in Seattle at the kind of height of the Seattle like yes. music scene, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Nevermind was released when I was a freshman in college. I okay, think. yeah, or the right. summer between uh, between high school and college. That's so were I... you aware of that, like going on in the place that you were from? Because I mean, for a while, Seattle became oh, ab- the epicenter of like music in the entire world. No, we were the center of the world for everything. Sort of I mean, of course, but yeah. but, in uh, but if, no. <laughs> if you, but if you think about it, Seattle does control your life. They make the Boeing airplanes. Uh, uh-huh. Microsoft is there. Amazon and Starbucks. That's, I mean, pretty much you could. If Seattle hired an army and a, a navy and an air force, they could be their own very independent country. Uh, so yes, we were there when it was all hitting, and it was terrific. It yeah. was great to see music. Uh, and I, I used to go see Allison. I would see this band called the Young Fresh Fellows, and Allison Chains opened for them. And uh, it was, yeah, those were the days. Those were the I remember I was at a bumper shoot concert, and I, some band canceled. And Soundgarden was like, yeah, we'll do it. And Soundgarden showed up that day, and was like, this, it was terrific. Uh, and um yeah it was a good time it was seattle exploded and i always grew up going well this is what seattle this is what this is what happens when you're when you live anywhere your city just becomes super popular and tons of money gets poured into it and then i had friends who were like oh, i'm from pittsburgh and i was like ooh all right all right i see i see but it must be exciting like to be i mean as you said if, if it's what you all you've known, you don't necessarily get the outside opinion of being there in the middle of it. But to be yeah. in the middle of something taking off, in the middle of something exploding, like it must be a very kind it was of very intoxicating cool. experience. There were so many rock clubs popping up and so many outdoor festivals and even in the rain they would have them. And there was so much, there was music everywhere. Did and you feel like everywhere. it was a particularly creative city at that time? Like, was it, was there a sense about Seattle then? That yeah, there's a real defensiveness that Seattle has because we were always considered the, uh, well, not only the left coast of America, but we were up in the corner. We, and, uh, we were even accused of being slightly communist in the fifties. Uh, and no, we just always thought we were in this. We are, we're, we literally, they advertise the state as the other Washington and not Washington, D.C. Uh, I remember seeing promotional ads for that stuff. And so we, uh, so we, like big bands also would not come to Seattle. You two would go from San Francisco to Vancouver and play BC Place and not, they wouldn't play the Kingdom or, or the Tacoma Dome. And then all the big bands, and it was overnight, they all were coming. And I was like, oh, this is what happens. Yeah, your city just grows. Uh, but so we always felt like we had a distinct, uh, very uh, uh, kind of uh, unique person. The, the city was definitely its its own self. And it was so, it was a time when, it was different than L.A. Because, uh, because everyone was, move, so many people were moving to Seattle. And I just thought, well, this is what happens too. Everyone just come, you know, it just, as your city move as it ages people just show up uh and everyone was moving there and uh it was it was terrific 
Yeah, I've, I've spent a little bit of time in Seattle because uh, I get booked for the clubs there quite regularly because oh. Seattle is full of Australians. And it so is? they are. Oh, so I Microsoft. Was, I thought that was Vancouver. Oh, oh yeah, right. also Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver, if you're a ski instructor. Uh, oh, I or... went to Whistler and I was like, <laughs> so great to be here in Australia. And the other one, yeah. So in Seattle, if you're better with computers than skiing. Wow. <laughs> so Microsoft, a lot of Australians right work for Microsoft. Yeah, there's certain uh, bizarre places around America that if where I tour to, where suddenly you're just like, hang on, why is there like 90 Australians yeah. at this show? LA is one of those places. Yeah. Well, that's true. There yeah. is a, well, there was a point. At the Australian dollar now is kind of like 73 cents or something to the American dollar. Yes, I'm right? excited to spend money there. <laughs> but there was a point when I first came here eight or nine years ago where the Australian dollar was like a dollar ten to the American oh, dollar. And it was like America was a third world country. And there was Australians just coming here like we were in Bali in Indonesia, like just throwing money. Because everything's cheaper here already. And then our right. dollar was worth all this money. And everyone was like, this is the, just the best, like getting to LA and making it rain. And then eventually- Why are cars more expensive there? It doesn't oh, well, make any sense. Well, you, well, it's from the old days when you had to get them there. And yeah, then but I feel like you can get things anywhere you want quick. Well, now. firstly, you had to get them there. But the, the other thing gotta, was... Look, it takes a lot longer to get from Korea to America than it does to get from Korea to Australia. So you could ship Kias there anytime. Well, see, so here's the other thing, John, is you've, you've identified something, which is that uh, we have incredibly high tariffs right. on uh, cars from other countries because it was protecting the Australian automobile industry. But here's what has happened in the last five years. The Australian automobile industry has completely gone out of business because it's an unsustainable industry anyway but guess what we haven't done got rid of those taxes on the cars from overseas because government is always in your favor wow <laughs> that sucks for you guys yeah remind me not to buy a car there <laughs> don't buy a car what you there that would be i'm but yeah the, oh, the dollar difference would even it out if yeah it would it, yeah, it would make fine. it yeah. it would make it about the same yeah right? about the same that's right so cars are what 20 percent more 25 percent yeah, more there that's about right oh that sucks yeah I'm sorry oh no it's one of those things where people come to america and they just go hang on what i can do what hang on what hang on what i can buy that right that's great. Yeah, it's very like it's. I've heard of so many people who come over here and end up buying a car, which is just not a thing you should normally buy on your holidays. No, like you know, but you're it, like it's because you know it's, I can. You know, it's like a car is cheap when you can impulse buy on a holiday and know that getting it shipped to Australia, getting it changed over so the steering wheel's on the other side of the car is still cheaper than buying that same car in Australia. <laughs> doesn't seem possible <laughs> but all right yeah Jeez louise uh what do you do when you're on tour i like i like i'm just interested because i know you're coming to australia and you've got you know shows down there and you know i want people to come out and see the shows what is what is your vibe when you're on tour are you a like you know justin bieber was down there recently oh yeah we're very and, similar and you know it's all late night you know nightclub appearances and you know you know girls no, being invited back I'm, to his yeah you know, all that I'm sort of old. stuff how do you I, roll people are people are not asking me to go to nightclubs i'm i'm old and so he can do a show and then stay out till seven in the morning right i am old and i i gotta get to bed and like uh, is that right is it can you sleep straight after a show you don't no, have that, i like... have to stay up for a couple hours but no i just uh, usually go to dinner it's very very exciting yeah no 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 i mean i, I literally I, will go on uh, i don't know we have you know yeah. i go on yelp and go like what's open late at night that's good uh so i yeah i um it's it's not that i i will wake up hopefully at a reasonable time so i can go see the city 
What's, uh, oh, so during the day, mm-hmm. uh, are you a walk around, drive around? Are you looking to see like I go usually to exercise like you? you yep. uh, but I don't, I don't, uh, I don't to go like. Well, I should go deep sea fishing now that I have four hours off. Right. I don't have time for that. <laughs> uh, I usually keep it pretty mellow and go like, oh, I hear this is a good coffee shop, right? And, and uh, maybe I'll see a movie, but that actually rarely happens too. What's a, if you if you were going to see a movie? Like, what's the sort of thing that's going to get you to the cinema? What's the sort of movie? Oh well, I just saw Dunkirk uh, on Saturday, and I had a, two shows that night, and that's a wonderful, fun film to, to get you ready for some. Yeah, comedy? it's just it makes it does make you go, man. I gotta, I gotta stop worrying about stuff. <laughs> this this guy's had way bigger problems. <laughs> Do you think that's what Christopher Nolan was going for? He's like, <laughs> you know what, guys? The feeling I want at the end of this is that people just walk away from the cinema and go, yeah. hey, you know what? My you life's what? fine. Things aren't so bad. I shouldn't worry about whether I, uh, uh, my par- <laughs> if I parked, uh, double parked in that uh, mall shopping mall, uh, yeah. shopping mall parking lot. I, yeah, that, I, I would that love movie if, was amazing. I would love if Christopher Nolan came out because he's quite a, I love his films, by the way, but he's quite a you know, serious yeah, you know, man, but it'd be great if you were just like, you know, in an interview going, well, really, you know, we constructed the whole thing uh, just to say, don't sweat the small stuff, you know? Yeah, Guys, well, just... there's a lot of movies that should that make should make people feel low. Just... Any world, world War movie or any war movie Essentially, should any... make people make you go, ah, I got, I got, I'm, I'm doing all right. To be honest, any movie that is based on a true story. Yeah. Pretty much any movie based on a true story because yeah. to be based on a true story and made into a movie, something fucked up happened to them. Yeah. Lone Survivor. <laughs> That's a fun one. <laughs> That'll make you go, oh, I should not worry so much about this paint peeling. I'll get to it at some point. <laughs> uh, no, I, yes, but that, I, uh, but Christo, I feel like Christopher Nolan puts a lot of humor in his, uh, his movies. Dunkirk was not, you know, there wasn't a ton of jokes in that, but a lot of the Batman has good, good humor in it. Uh, what is the stupidest thing you worry about? Like, you know, is there like a little, I had, for example, I had this like cupboard at my house for like, I would say a year and it needed to be fixed, but it needed to be fixed in a way that involved one more thing that I had around the house. So like, you know, like I can fix something if a screw's out of it or if it like nail needs to be hammered in, that sort of thing. Right. But this had a hinge thing. I was going to have to go to a hardware store. I was going to have to just do a little bit more effort. And so for a year, this like cupboard just kind of hung like half on its hinge. And I would constantly just be thinking about this cupboard where eventually it was just very easy to get fixed and get done. Do you have things like that? Is there something that is on your you plate? You need to go see Dunkirk now. No. <laughs> Because that doesn't sound like, that just sounds like, uh, I don't know. You're well, not, you've start, got other things to do. At the start, it was other things to do. But after a while, it becomes symbolic of the fact that I can't fix things in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like after a you while. You really think it's a symbol? <laughs> well, I mean, again. You oh. are really, re- that's your problem. You're reading too much into shit. <laughs> uh, so you're not that sort of person, clearly. You're not like a warrior. Or oh, a, or I definitely worry about up. stuff. I'm worried about like, what am I going to do next? Right. Uh, how are my kids going to do? How are they? You know, the, I, not that I don't, I mean, uh, let's see. I don't like, um, I worry that I don't get enough sleep. There's that. How much do you sleep a night? Uh, I went to bed at one last night and got up at 6.30. Yeah, you're not getting enough sleep, man. I need to stay in bed till like eight if 
I can. Like but my need, kids are up, so. I feel like you need to go to bed earlier. I feel like it's yeah, the going to bed at one thing. What are you doing until one o'clock? Well, last like... night I was catching up on a bunch of stuff, and uh, and then I meant to watch Game of Thrones to finally catch up, but I played Battlefield 1 with my friend Boyd, <laughs> okay. which is an extraordinary video game. Again, those guys had it really rough in World War One, and they did not respawn. <laughs> Uh, no, I worry. I try to, I try to manage my, like, if I feel like, oh, you're worrying about something weird. Right. Then I'm like, what are we talking? What are we talking about? Like when I first, when I started having, when I had kids, I definitely like when I get on planes, I was like, oh, I'm a dad now. Now I, it's like, it's like being on a, I mean, it's obviously safer than a motorcycle, but I was like, oh, this, uh, this could go down and then my children will be fatherless. So then I started going like, uh, all right, well, clearly, uh, planes are pretty damn safe. And uh, all these people seem pretty all right with it that are on the plane with me. So I probably shouldn't worry about that. Yeah, I must have, like, I mean, that's the thing, right? The children thing is obviously the thing that changes everybody's mind about those. But then eventually you just have to go. Yeah, I bought an electric skateboard and I was like, wait a minute. What if I fly off this thing and snap my femur i'm like well i might as well just give it a try so hang on what the electric skateboard is this like a to get around the sort of neighborhood electric skateboard so when the great indoors was on it was literally across the river and i mean literally and the river is right there and there's a little footbridge and it i literally and i'm going to say it because it literally true uh it was faster for me to skateboard than it was for me to drive right uh and hey we're saving the environment so I would skateboard, and uh, and uh, so I as one of the, like a gift to myself uh, for uh, forgetting forgetting the show on, you know for having the show on the air. I bought a, an electric skateboard, and now the show's canceled. So I guess I have to uh, I have to find another. I mean, it's been obviously a very good luck charm. <laughs> it's been great. So uh, when you said you like sometimes worry about what you're going to do next, those sort of things, like it'd be interesting for people to hear that, I think, because some people would imagine that your career, you know, just, you know, is whatever you want it to be, you know. Wow. Those like, people are misinformed. Right. But, but, but people imagine that, I imagine, about a lot of people who would have that same story. Like, I mean, you know, I have actor friends who've been in successful shows, but you know what it's like on the yeah. bottom, bottom couple of rungs. It doesn't matter that you're in a successful show. It doesn't mean that you Are you saying still... you're in the bottom couple of rungs? Is that what you're saying? No, that wasn't well, what, what I was That's what he just said, folks. I was starting exactly what he rungs, said, and then I was going to build up to the top uh, No, I think rungs. almost you know every, I, mean? I would say, unless you're ultra confident and you've got, I don't know, you're built, you're, 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 uh, you're someone like, uh, I don't know, Tom Cruise or something where... It's going to be okay if you don't ever work again. But uh, I, and he obviously is a person that loves working, but I, I love working uh, and I want to make sure that that next thing I work on uh, is decent. So. Is there like a thing that you haven't got to do yet that really is something that you would really love to do? Uh, I do. Um, like, is there some sort no. of burden? Because you've written books, you've hosted TV Thank shows, you. you've, you. you know, like, you know, you've acted, you've like in the, you know, I mean, obviously you've improvised, you're doing stand up in the gamut of like show business and like what it is that you can do with your skills. What, what's what been the most exciting thing to do with them? Like, what, what have you enjoyed the most where you go in, ah, oh, this is like of all the things that I've got to do using the skills that I have, this is what I've found, you know, the most fun or the most exciting, the most exhilarating, or maybe even just the most you know, where you go, oh, this best uses all the skills that I have. Uh, I would, in my mind, none of the, none, none, none. of the above. Because uh, I'm in a constant state of worrying whether 
what I'm doing is any good. Uh, so no, I uh, there are things when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh, this is great, uh, and that has happened a number of times. Um, but it's not like, oh, this is the thing. This is the exact thing that I. This is this is. Uh, I've had a number of moments in doing different things where I was very like, oh, look at this. We're on a little mountain peak here and I can kind of enjoy. Um, but uh, like there was moments when I was hosting the soup where I was like, uh, that was a that was one of the best written jokes I've ever said out loud. Uh, written not by me, but uh, uh, and or like um, like when I was in that movie with Eric Bana, I had such a good time uh, and we. Oh, my dog's trying to get in. She'll stay for about two seconds. Hi. We can do that. Yeah, there'll be a Hi. little, just a little recce. Uh, the dog coming Hi. in now uh, and uh, just doing a little lap of the room. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are you? Hello. That's Cowboy. Cowboy. Hello, Cowboy. Hello, Cowboy. Look at you. You're a cutie, aren't you? This is good. This is good for the people. Yeah. Um, ordinarily, when we do this podcast at home, my dogs will come in and uh, be on the podcast. So really, it's good to have... Uh, oh, hang on. There we go. Trying to get away, but it's all right. Come on in. Now you're part of it. There you go. See? Yeah, come in. It's all right. Yeah, good. Um, cowboy. Uh, who was Cowboy named after? Uh, named by, sorry. Is uh, that it was a named you, by you some choice? animal trainer. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, I got Cowboy on the set. Of Is Cowboy a showbiz, showbiz Yeah, showbiz a showbiz dog. puppy, but not trained. I right. just Cowboy was in a scene, uh -huh. and I um, went, I am going home with that dog, no matter how much he costs. And $75,000 later... <laughs> He was mine, right? Now, and and my, I brought him home. My wife was like, what the <laughs> hell? And my wife is allergic to uh, fur. <laughs> so we have a dog with hair, the other, the white dog. And this one has fur. So there's fur. Everyone's just like, thanks a lot. But now she loves him. So really, uh, and the dog loves her way more than me. And has Cowboy worked again since? Or is Cowboy... Is, I put him in some promotional videos that do, I've done. Do, do you get the feeling that Cowboy misses... The set in the scene? Yeah, or? yeah. He's definitely jonesing to get back on TV. Right, yeah. Probably something on Netflix, something streaming. He likes, he wants to, you know. Oh, he wants to stretch? Yeah, yeah. He wants, That's he's such a big fan of film there, right? and stuff. But Is there, there any sort of like role that he's particularly looking for? Is there Yes, like... he would like to play a Labradoodle. Oh, right. Which is very, a big stretch for a pug. I mean, it is. Yeah. Right, guy? I mean, I know there's been a lot of lo lobbying in the Labradoodle community that only Labradoodles play Labradoodles, though, and that yep. it would be offensive for a pug to play Labradoodle. I mean, and... I agree. Right? Uh, but, uh, but you know, he's he definitely doesn't care. He, wants, he doesn't care. He wants he's a just, shot. He understands it's going to be controversial. <laughs> and he's pro-Labradoodle? Like, for, just for the... Oh, yeah. He wants, yeah, yeah, pro, he wants to tell I their mean, story yeah. because they weren't really around until right. just a few years ago. It's a good point, right? Right, doggy? He's okay. very interested in your dog smell. Yeah, exactly. It's because my bag smells like my dog's probably. Uh, but they, I remember being on the or set. Or that of my bag smells like weed. <laughs> be smells one of like the what? Is he? Does he like other dogs or weed? Because it's the only oh, two things. That uh, they... I don't think he's ever had weed. Maybe. He, well, he's trying to get in, so he must love it. <laughs> Whatever's going on, he's really, yeah. really give him a, give him an eighth. <laughs> He'd love that. You're right, buddy. You're right. 
Yeah, you can really smell my animals. All right, Doug. But, no, are you yeah, going to your question? I mean, there are. There he goes. Um, like when I was on a set of community, I was like, oh, this is awesome. This I know this is really well written and yeah. really well told, and the cast is really good. So you could tell, right? Because I could tell on that. I mean, it's even, one of those shows where, like, I mean, people who listen to this podcast know this about me, which is that I'm not a really big, um, like I find that comedy. I like I like my comedy to be very realistic, ordinarily, oh, like, well, for whatever then. reason. And Community was certainly not that at all. You and were, yet yeah. it is one of my favorite comedy shows of all time. Like it go. was, it was just one of those things where you always, much like watching an episode of The Simpsons or whatever, where you would go or like you know, and it reminded me a bit of the animated shows that I love. You know, I, yes, where you would just say there would be something in this, like in this episode, in this show today, that I will just think, well, that was worth having watched. All of right. it, regardless. Like there was, you'd never walk away from an episode of that and think, well, there wasn't something in that that had just this sparkle of, like, idiotic genius or ge actual genius. Like I mean, right. so it, there was an awareness of that while it was you were doing it as well. Well, we knew the show was well written. We knew that just that, just at the base when we first started. We're like, this is like I read the script and I was like, oh, this is great. I know I can, I, I, I wish I could do this. And uh, Dan Harmon took pity on me and allowed me to do it. Uh, so uh, that I knew. So, um, and then as obviously, as it started getting, as it moved along and Dan's imagination went wild. Um, yeah, we all felt like we were on the, I knew what I was doing. I was like, we're gonna, there's not, it was gonna be very hard to make a show like this again. And uh, NBC certainly, was not uh we're not fans of it uh they they con we're constantly like well this is probably it so i'm like okay and then they pick us up because something else would fail and uh so we thankfully we got five years out of them and one year out of yahoo yeah i think it's one of those shows that uh i i can imagine when you had it you would not know what you had when like, you, you know, yeah the first couple of seasons were like well, this is pretty crazy and uh, pretty great. And, and it was staying on and was rating. And so that that was one of those things where it was like, wow, it's working. And uh, you never really, you take it for granted on your on the show that if, if I was on a bunch of shows that failed, then I probably would have appreciated. But it was the third pilot I did. And I was like, oh, well, this makes sense. They get they thirty percent of the time it gets on. That seems about right. Yeah, this is well. This is your like. This is your version of oh, you live in a city and it becomes the most popular city in the world. Right. You're like, like, this it is just how it works. works. Yeah. I was in Seattle. It became the epicenter of all music and culture in the entire world. Yeah. Then I moved here and everything I touch turns to gold. How's your life? That's how it goes. <laughs> I knew Seattle was popular when I went to Italy in ninety. <laughs> I went there ninety. 394 was that first visit back i mean like was that first visit that was first visit back yeah. since i was a kid yeah. i've been there a few times since because my aunt and uncle still live there yeah. but italians were wearing flannel shirts right and i was like this is not what i expected i thought they'd be all slick and the, uh, my cousin who lives there he was like yeah this is that that's the seattle look yeah. and i was like jeez <laughs> they'd be like super nice jeans dress shoes curled up cuffs and then like a really nice white t-shirt and then a perfect like very well put together plaid shirt and i was like that is not something i expected there's something quite amazing about seeing the try particularly if you're into so some sort of band or whatever that like you know be it the cure or something that comes with a sort of a, a, a uniform of sorts 
Because yes. what you what you find is if you see that band wherever you are in the world, you get to see you know if you go and see the Cure in Japan, like it's just Japanese versions of the same people who go right. and see the Cure in, you yep. know. But you could make, like, but Seattle was the uh, opposite. It was the reaction to glam metal. So right. uh, it's ironic that a, pair, a person walking on stage wearing jeans and a t-shirt became like, wow, that's innovative. Yeah, that's the look. That's because your look crazy. wasn't a look. That's now a look. Yes, it was the opposite of a, it was the the reaction of just do nothing, and uh, that became the thing. The glam rock guys they bought a lot less lipstick. I mean, I always like. Have you ever been a get dressed up? Are you a fancy dress? Like, are you a person who enjoys a fancy dress party? Are you a person who enjoys getting costumed up in like an elaborate sort of way? Because I imagine like that was the kind of incredible dichotomy of bands of that sort of era you know your motley Crue's, your guns and roses these hardcore yeah, bands that had. were kind of living this like image of being you know hardcore on the edge and were in a lot of ways those things but at the same time were spending like an hour before the gig putting their makeup on and like teasing their hair like yeah it was uh crazy because uh, obviously bands like um black sabbath and led zeppelin and th they were they were i get they also were the opposite reaction to the you know the very put together bands of the 60s so um and then it, boy it swung swung the other direction and uh but do i like to get dressed up not like motley Crue. yeah but not like a are you a, like if someone said we're throwing a fancy dress party would you say oh I'm sure not yeah go, i'm not one of those uh there's a there's i know people that uh they try very hard uh in their effort to look casual and slovenly they are it's just when you, if, if you're invited to a fancy party and you know it's a fancy party and you choose not to show up to a fancy party in fancy clothes or something that looks close enough to it that isn't that is a conscious effort that and and you no matter how much like oh this is me you know i'm like nope <laughs> nope it would not be that hard for you to put on a suit so i dress appropriately i liked dressing up uh i liked getting free suits and stuff when i worked on the soup that was that was good because it, uh, it, uh, yeah, that was really nice. I, I liked wearing nice clothes on that, but I would only wear it once, a, you know, for a few hours each, once a week to shoot the show, and then, you know, then as you can see, I'm dressed like uh, I, uh, I've escaped, um, I don't know, a big five sporting goods. So, um, well, if you're gonna go out and eat, like, what's the like? I always like to know what people. You know, sort Eat? of last meal sort of things. Oh, before I'm you know, executed? Yeah, before you're executed for crimes that we will find out about later on, I assume. Oh, this is going to be a cheat, but probably my mom's um, spaghetti carbonara. Oh, really? Uh, that's I love, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. It would, it, um, for my last meal, if I were on death row, it would be, I don't, it would be a combination of Japanese food. I mean, here's the thing I'm going to say to you. It might just be, my, like, is your mother still with us? Uh, not here. Yes, yeah, she lives but like, in Seattle. But, but, in, yeah. it, but in case you need to, like, if we get, if you're being executed and you ask for your mum's, like, you know, spaghetti, it's, she's still available to make. It. Absolutely. Okay. I feel just like it'd be, like, I, I feel like she'll already be going through a really hard week, and I just feel like getting her to have to cook as I well. I think Do you if think she's she'd distracted, be, during... you'd be good for her. It'd yeah, be, be good. good. For her. Distract. Take her mind off it. Yeah. Uh, they're definitely going to know what the contents of my stomach are okay. after the autopsy. But uh, 
Uh, but I don't. It's that's hard to say. I mean, I I would. Well, what's your food if you like? Yeah. Uh, maybe I would go to the French Laundry or something right. before I get executed. Okay, so like do it properly. Yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, that'd be good. Are you a person who like say for example you go to Sydney? There's some of the best restaurants in the world. You know, in Sydney, are you the sort of person who will go? Yeah, but you guys who, put mayonnaise on your lobster, which is insane. That doesn't make <laughs> any sense at all. Is that some of the relatable material that you're going to be doing? Probably. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. An American friend said, go to this place. Uh, I don't know where. In, not Bondi Beach. Some beach you had to take a ferry to. And and uh, he was like, just they're going to order the lobster and just make sure they will, do not put mayonnaise on it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and they, I literally was like, you didn't put, because they were taking a while. I was like, you didn't put mayonnaise on it. And the one person ran back in a panic and they had to redo it. Um... Yeah, no, I when if I'm there, I definitely last time I was there, I all I looked at was the all the uh, eater Sydney. And I looked at all the, you know, I write uh, all the articles about eating in Sydney. And I went to a couple of amazing places. What about um, do, you, do, you, do you need to do anything touristy? Do you need to like, uh, you know, climb the bridge? Yeah, uh, no, because uh, I'll offer you. They'll try to get you up on that bridge. I've already done it. The first oh, time I went. And did you think it was like, worth it? It was OK. Yeah. Because I was I mean, like, I've well, lived, those, I've lived I was in... like, those office buildings are a lot taller. <laughs> the hotel you're staying in was probably taller, right? Yeah, but I would run, so I would jog on that bridge. So that was. Right. Oh I'd yeah, that's the, nice. I'd see right. the people yeah. all. Okay. No, there's nothing. There was. I mean, now Sydney, I've been there twice, so I've right. seen a, a lot of. I'll, I don't know. But you didn't like need to go and see a koala or like the first time when I was on E, they had me running around doing all that. Right, right. It was fun. It was fun, and having. To, touching a koala bear and holding it was i was like well this is something i've never done when you say you're on e also you mean like on the television network on as the opposed e to network the, yes yeah inviting as you out to australia to, uh, and, uh, Molly and then like yeah hugging koalas yeah didn't do that but the koalas i'm sure would have been amenable to that oh they would have been into it They're yeah r- riddled with chlamydia but but you got i don't i i don't do the uh i don't gamble as much as you guys so uh so yeah okay so gambling is a really big part of the australian yeah. sort of culture only behind singapore our per capita gambling in the entire it's impressive world. Is, is it though isn't it uh, no it's impressive the same way you know as like uh, someone a 20 can, car yeah. pile up is right <laughs> uh no no it, it's 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 ever it's amazing it's everywhere right yeah how you guys uh are like yeah, it's fine fine do it's, it it's not fine though is it i like it like during sporting events you're yeah. getting the odds that's yeah. amazing yeah, there's no way that'll go wrong at any yeah, stage. Yeah, there's no there? one losing all their money and no. penniless and, no, 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 no. and not providing for their families. No, uh, and there's no way that these yeah. results will no, you know, was, ever be corrupted by the system yeah, that's never. built around it. Uh, <laughs> that's something distinct. But I are don't, you a sports fan? Are you a like very like, much? Okay, yeah. so what sort of sports are you into? What's like your passion? I like American uh, NFL football and okay, so I like uh, basketball. Do you follow Seattle in the? Well, of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm asking yeah. you questions. No, I like NBA basketball. Yeah. Um, I like baseball too. I mean, I follow. You know, Were you a sporty like kid? Where did you play? Of course, I was. My well, friend. I mean, you look very sporty now, but you might have blossomed into this person I see before me. No, you know, I was larger have... when I was younger. You hang on, uh, as in not taller though, right? <laughs> that's no, that's no. I was possible. taller in America. We <laughs> we shrink at least five inches during right. our lifespans. Okay, right. Interesting. It's really crazy. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I mean, uh, we're from a different hemisphere. I was six so nine sure when I was right. uh, eighteen. Okay. Like Benjamin Button, but like yeah. with height. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Okay. No, so, I was a huge sports fan and played tons of sports and 
I was that's uh, that's all I did. Uh, that and acting. Where did, so where did the sports dream end? If there was like, was there a sports dream? Like, no. Was there a chance that at any stage you were going to, you know, take any of those things? If, if you were going to take one of them, what no. was the, none no, of them? No, no, no. I mean, no I chance? knew that I was good at sports to a point. Right. But I, I played college football badly. And uh, the guys who were ahead of me and who were playing in the games were so much better than me. Right that i knew i mean i am uh, an insanely competitive person to a point of fault uh but uh but i knew i was like that those guys are much better than me and uh, i'm never there's nothing i can do to make myself as good as them uh they're just going to be faster and stronger All right. and i was i was pretty fast and strong but not not on that level not even not even in the same, uh, not even the same app, you know, nothing. Uh, if there's somebody in the world of professional sports that you could change places with, like who's, who would be your ideal? You know what I mean? If you go, I can have that guy's life. Who, oh, who that uh, oh I thought you, their athletic ability or their life. Uh, well, I mean, answer both. Give, give, give us the answer. It, it, may no, well, I mean, it may well be the same answer for both, but tell me who's, like, who's athletic no. ability. And oh, I would want like Muhammad life. Ali's athletic ability, yeah. but I wouldn't want his life. His sad, I mean, it, I wouldn't, you know, having. Yeah. Uh, so you'd like Muhammad that would be Ali's very difficult. Fun. I love yeah. Muhammad. I mean, right. but that would be a very difficult. Yeah. difficult so you want the life. peak of his career, but you want like the life of Tom Brady or whatever. Uh,. Where I'm uh, in hyperbolic chambers or whatever. I I don't what yeah. I don't know Tom. I don't know what his day to day is well, like. I so mean, I can't. I feel like he has like it feels like his life's going pretty well. Well, though, you right? No, I, who knows? I mean, who could knows? Be yelling, right? There could be a lot of might, might, exactly. maybe just a lot of tension. Might I don't know. Not, That's might, a hard. It's like might I would not like be to be a good time at home. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, making assumptions. I don't know who that would be. Where it's like he led the perfect life, everything was great. All right. Well, we can't have. Uh, but I'll take athletic ability. You'll take Ali's. Because you're not going to be like, oh, I want to have Tiger Woods' life because you know things got rough for a while. Well, again, up to a point, I suppose. Yeah. Like this, I guess, like the Ali thing. The you gotta early, go. Yeah, the early years are better. I'll take than Muhammad Ali's years. skill. That's yeah, great. Right. Plus, uh, you know, the ability to drop a classic one-liner. Like, it's not like you have to give up funny to be Ali. You know, the great thing about Ali is, right. you know, this is some sort of weird fantasy world that we're in right now, where we're able to extract people's skills from them, and well, uh, but yet keep our keep it who we are. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying. I mean, right. well, it's it's what people call a hypothetical scenario. Right. I mean, so what we're basically it's doing very, is we're yes, hypothesizing it's wonderfully about hypothetical. Then. So yeah, you know, sorry, I I'm not. Ca- if if I had in some way led you to believe that I could make this happen, if, oh, then, then I'm absolutely now sorry about I'm that, but disappointed. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. This was purely just a dang it hypothetical thought experiment that I thought dang might be it a fun way to finish on. Okay. <laughs> Sad. All right, I'm going to give you a second shot at it now, based on another the pre- hypothetical, based on right. the premise. But again, just for the record, I can't, I can't actually make this happen. Okay. All right. Cool. Which comedians' uh, powers, skills, would you like? Like in the same way as you know, oh. which, who who out there do you admire that you watch when you watch? That I would do, like to do you go, extract their talent. Yeah. Them. If I could have those, I'm skills, not going to do. Talent. I'm not going to take away what they've built for themselves no no i'm literally saying if you can have in the same way as you could have the athletic skills of muhammad ali all right so i've got the athletic this, skills of muhammad the, ali and the comedic skills of uh i don't know, like richard Pryor. that would be really great 
Yeah, all right. So I'm who, this person. Who is? I this? mean, again, though, like, I mean, how is the? Even wow. If you, even if you have the comedic skills of Richard Pryor, I'm not sure you have the, you know, struggles that Richard Pryor had. So it, I grew his, up in a brothel. Okay. Everyone knows it. <laughs> uh, no. Um, look, I grew up. Uh, I watching <laughs> Bill Cosby. Uh, I listened yeah. to his records backwards and forwards. That is a thing that is very dubious to say out loud right now uh steve martin i followed like nobody's business uh, uh richard pryor um i watched monty python endlessly i watched mel brooks endlessly my uh woody allen movies uh so uh you know uh i don't want to take over any of those people's lives uh not yet again you're not uh, you don't have to. I would like to take over the life of a very young comedian when I'm very old, like when they're six. Maybe no, maybe like fifteen, and then, you know, occupy their body. I would feel bad for them because then anyway, right? Because we can work, we can work out the science later. Yeah, we'll work out the science later when you get old enough. Uh, all right, Joel, let's uh, talk one more time because we should finish up. But this, uh, uh, how long have we been talking? We've been talking for the amount that this podcast goes, which is fifty. Well, I mean, an hour. And it's, how long? It's going to go for an hour and. We're at 55 minutes now. So this is the thank you. Uh, uh, bit, oh, then, hold on. Oh, Let me make on, sure everything's. Uh, all right. Well, we're just finishing, really. That's all. We no do. worries. Cash 350. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so anyway, uh, Sydney shows. What can we tell people? Sydney. Well, Australian oh, shows. here comes the dog. All over Australia shows. Uh, Hello. 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 What's your name? Hello. That's Harry. Oh, that's Harry the Harry. dog. Hello, and Harry. there's uh, Cowboy again. Cowboy's coming. Uh, what can you expect? Yeah. As I've said to different radio show hosts yeah. and podcast hosts, a lot of pyrotechnics. A lot of pyrotechnics? Like a lot of feathered hair. It's like a Bon Jovi concert. Okay, yeah, sure. Nice. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not probably like going to a... be me in a microphone. Uh, what can you expect? Um, you hopefully, I mean, I don't really, it will be the funniest hour yeah, exactly. and 15 minutes of your life. I mean, that's all really I was getting to that. I hopefully, if you don't re- like it, right. please don't tell anyone. I mean, look, if you did like it, please tell it. Guys, here's basically what's really going on here is like, you know who this is. If you've listened to this podcast, you probably already like Joe. All this, the whole purpose of this podcast is this bit of it right now, which is to say, come and see the shows, guys. Yes, just come and see the show. Come and see them, and this it is will be why this... it is happening. <laughs> yes, we. I should have promoted the shows throughout the podcast, but you had very thoughtful questions. I, I mean, so I that... constantly asked you about stand up and the shows. So, like, I mean, you know, this is also the bit where they, we will say it again. Uh, no, come I, and see them. They'll be great. Right? Come and see the shows, and if oh, you'd like, you like, and you got buy see, ten or eleven to? tickets. Uh, at a time for yourself okay. you right. need a chair for your purse your... don't tell people to do that tell people i to... can tell people whatever i want it's... i mean it's your show but like... how many people hear this podcast uh like thousands thousands, thousands of thousands. maybe like fifty thousand. you're just making stuff up now uh, well i was i was trying to work out in my head what sort of bump i'd get from having you on wow so... well I'm sorry. I gave you, you I gave you a ten thousand bump. I wow! Say, an average episode will get somewhere between thirty and forty, um, but I'm hoping that I might get a ten. No one bump really believes you. You out know that. Of you. So I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say, like, uh, why don't we just go with four hundred thousand? 
Well, because I don't want to lie to people. I want to... Slightly, you never know. There might I want, be to, I want to round up in my favor, which is what I did, but I don't want to like lie blatantly. This this will be the bump you're looking for. So, well, maybe there is 400,000 listening to this. And if you knew yeah, this... There <laughs> probably, there's probably a million. Well, to the million... That is a good point, actually. To the... Well, into the 900 and, you know, 96,000 or whatever who don't normally listen... Come back next week. All right. It'll All be right. great. All right. Go and see Joel's shows. They're going to Go and see the shows. Also, the ones in New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand as well. I we, know that. We don't have as many listeners in New Zealand. Though. Oh, all right. Well, then. Are they not selling well, as well? Do you, what? you probably need to get on a New Zealand Well, no, podcast. I wanted to include them in the Australian uh, show promotion. Well, we're not the same, though. We're not the same. Oh, yeah. You same. guys sound exactly the same, and you look the same. We don't, so actually. You must be. That's really racist. Yeah, you must be. How is it racist? What race am I insulting? The Australian in New Zealand race. Oh, I didn't realize it was a race. Duh. Australasians. Okay. All right. I see. Australasians. <laughs> no, Australasians. And don't you be coming down here pretending like we're not real people. Uh, at no point did I say that. Well, that's uh, what I heard. Uh, I know that's that you I all heard, have. I, I know, I know you have tails and horns down there. So, yeah. Oh, don't be like that. That's unfortunate. That's, that's actually. Hey, just look. A everyone knows it's a that's fact. That's just a gambling game you can play. Tails oh, and horns. Oh. No wonder you gamble so much. You guys are. You're gargles. Uh, John McCall, it's been a pleasure. Thank you Thank so much you. for having me.